0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion.
2: Hey, it's Sparky. Five for twelve fifty a.m. The fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Maybe not as beautiful. Had some. Uh, had a tornado that we know of for sure roll through uh, western Wisconsin tonight. First time there's been a tornado in Wisconsin in the month of February ever. There'd never even been a tornado warning in the month of February. Uh, so there's your weather update uh, for Wisconsin. If you are checking us out across the country in your Odyssey app or you download Trader podcast, at. Or streaming live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. I am Steve Sparky Fiverr. Follow us at Sparky Radio or follow Nathan Marzion, my co host over at Nathan Marzion. Trade deadline day was earlier today. Uh, let's talk about the, the trades the Bucks made. We'll talk about some of the trades in the East. And we'll also talk about the Bucks T Wolves game that just ended prior to us coming on as well. Uh, so, first, uh, the trade of significance the Milwaukee Bucks uh, sent out our guy campaign, backup guard a uh, second round pick in 2027, and they get Patrick Beverly in return from the 76ers. Your thoughts, Nathan Marzian?
3: I like it. You know, I I do wish probably that they would have done a little bit more, um, but this is a good move. I don't know how anyone can be not liking this move or upset with this move because, you know, there's really, there's nothing to really lose from it. You know, you're just trading a backup point guard that doesn't play defense for a backup point guard that plays defense, and that's what they needed on this team. They needed a, a some bench defense, some perimeter defense, some guard defense, and so you got that in Patrick Beverly. Is it you know the, the flashiest move? Is it gonna completely change everything? No, but it helps, and they are you know a better team after this trade. You didn't have to give up you know really anything other than you know again paying in that twenty twenty seven second round pick. So you kept the twenty twenty four second. From Portland, which was the much more valuable one. And um they now have more ammo to make a trade come off season time when they're gonna have two first to trade. So, you know, I like that they made a move and they still have some ammo later. Now, again, I'm you know, would I prefer that they have just kind of gone more all in right now? Yes, always. Like I do always want them to be all in every single year when you have a team this good. But um, you know, I'm glad they at least did something because there was a brief moment where you were kind of looking at like, are they gonna just not do anything? Are they not even gonna try to address the bench are they just gonna you know continue with exactly what they have but um Pat Bev will be a nice addition I like that he'll be a vocal guy kind of like that PJ Tucker role that he played in 2021 where it was like he came in here and he was he was barking at the coach a little bit he was barking at Giannis a little bit he was like getting in these guys faces like hey let's go you know and it's you need a guy like that sometimes Um, as long as they don't go too over the top with it but like guys that can push one another guys that'll you know, make each other better and really bring that intensity. It fires everyone up, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be helping everyone by doing that. As again, PJ Tucker did in the playoffs. And with that, in that stretch run in 2021, um, you know, those guys respected him and they really did like playing with him. So I'm excited to have a guy like that. Um, We know he has a history with Dame, you know, a bad history where he, they've kind of gotten into it and had their little feuds and stuff, but you know, those guys are going to put that aside and they're, they're both ready. They're hungry to win. And you know, it, Dame already said he's like, you know, competing for a championship is much bigger than any little feud I've had with him over the years. Um, So I'm excited to see them, you know, have a have a guy like this in the locker room. And again, a defensive presence that they haven't had um, all season long, really, on the bench. So it'll be it's a good addition. And I'm glad that they did it
2: can't stand this dude, man. I can't. Oh, I agree. Trust me. I cannot
3: stand Patrick Beverly. I don't
2: like Patrick Beverly. Yes. I don't like Grant Williams more, but I don't like Patrick Beverly
3: at all. Now. I was really quick, really quick. I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I would, I would have disliked the Grant Williams thing more because a, he's even more annoying to me than Pat Bev and B, I think he's just worse than Pat Bev on defense. Like I don't trust Grant Williams to even be better than, you know, what we already had. But I, I totally agree. I, I didn't say this, but um, yeah, when they made the trade at first, I was like, damn, like I, I don't like this dude. Like he's, I just have <laughs> yeah. always been annoyed by Pat Bev. I've always, he's always been a guy where I'm like, God, I just can't stand him. But when he's on your team, we're going to love him. You know, we're going to start to really like him and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it. So
2: I, yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely don't like Patrick Beverly, but the, the crazy part about this is and I quote, we did it. First of all, I had a. A crazy day. My kid ended up uh, in the urgent care during high school because he got hurt playing basketball, j- uh, jacked up his finger. And I got to go see a hand surgeon. It's a whole thing. So I was dealing with that. And then I get a text uh, stating that uh, they got Pat Bev. And so then I had to go look at my phone real quick to see what was going on. And it's a solid move. Like I, I'm not mad at the move just because I don't like Patrick Beverly. It doesn't mean it's a bad move just because I don't like the guy. Right. So uh, I want to, there's so many things I want to get into on this trade. First, let's rewind to what you said of, oh, man, maybe they're not going to do anything. When I was watching you on Twitter, like I always do, Marzia, I'm keeping an eye out, seeing what, what what's going through Nathan's head. And Nathan was the ray of positivity all day. Like, even when things weren't looking like it was going to happen, he was trying to keep it positive, trying to keep it positive, trying to keep it positive. He was trying to keep it as positive as he could without, like, showing any type of a crack of maybe he's starting to doubt that this was going to get done. But the one thing everybody needs to understand is, Horse was trying. This wasn't a situation where Horse was like, Man, I got nothing. Like, I'll make a couple calls, but we don't got enough to get this done. I mean, there was, I forgot, was it War podcast? I think it was yesterday, where he said one uh, executive told him that Milwaukee was calling everybody, throwing out different three way trades and everything else. Like, they were doing all this stuff, trying to figure out any possible way of getting different guys and how it would help all three teams. And so Horse was working his 10 land off. So if, they wouldn't have got Pat Bev. And if they wouldn't have been able to do anything, it wouldn't have been for lack of trying or lack of creativity. The issue was, and the reason they couldn't do more was because they screwed themselves on any assets they could have had, meaning draft picks, by trading for Holiday, by trading for Dame Lillard, uh, and by doing these type of moves, you've been trading away assets for the last two or three years. And eventually... You're going to have to pay the Piper. And right now, they kind of had to pay the Piper because they didn't have enough to go get what they truly needed, which was a wing defender, which Nathan Marzian has been telling you for months. So now that you didn't get that, you had to get something. So Patrick Beverly is the next best to something you could have gotten because, again, as Nathan pointed out, he's a great defender. He's like Tucker. He's going to run his mouth and jaw, do all that crap we hate. But he's going to do it, and hopefully it benefits the Milwaukee Bucks. But the wild part about this whole thing was it was the only trade on trade deadline day that the player being traded was in the process of doing his podcast live when this whole thing broke down. So he gets traded, and then here come all these videos from his podcast popping up all over Twitter about him finding out, him getting a hold of Malik Beasley, kind of talking about Dame Lillard. Oh, man, I got my relationship right with Dame. It starts laughing, whatever. So you have that going on. Before that, you have the dude hosting with him talking about, man, crime rates him going go up in Philly if they trade you, man. Like that, that's just, that's going to happen. Like it's going to go crazy in Philly if they trade my guy, Pat Bev. And then you have Pat Bev going after uh, everybody's favorite general manager in, in Philadelphia, Daryl Morey, calling him a liar and saying, oh, yeah, you just got to tell me you're not going to trade me and now you trade me. And again, we go back to James Harden calling Daryl Morey a liar as well. Uh, so it's all part of the process. Uh, let's see what I did there. Uh, That happens in Philadelphia. So that was another aspect of this. But the biggest aspect of this is they freed up $8.6 million that they don't have to pay towards the luxury tax. So good job by the owners there. Then the second trade was Robin Lopez to Sacramento for nothing, and they threw him cash to get him off, and now it opens up a roster spot. And now I come back to Nathan, but now the tricky situation comes – Just because somebody gets cut, Nathan, does not mean the Milwaukee Bucks can go out and sign them to a better minimum deal because of where they are with the tax apron and everything else. You can explain that process of how this works now for the Bucks going forward as far as being a player on the buyout market.
3: Yeah, so the new rules say that you can't get a player on the buyout market that was making more than what now would be like. Because it's whatever the tax mid level is, which I think is like five point something, six something. So they if any players,
2: they can't sign anybody that's making over twelve million dollars or twelve point four million or something like that coming into this season. It's twelve point four. Is, it, is it the whole? Number. Is it the
3: full? Mid, okay, maybe it was the full mid level then. So yeah, yeah, then at that point, yeah, anyone that was making over twelve million that gets bought out, you can't, you can't get that guy, um, because they are a second apron team and everything like that. So. Um, like Marcus Morris, you can't get Marcus Morris in the, on the bio market. He was making like 16 million. So you, DJ you,
2: Tucker making 11 million, if he
3: were to be cut, making
2: 11 yeah. million, just thunder.
3: Yeah. So, um, but they already, I think they already said that, what did they say? He's not getting bought out or he's staying or something. I don't even remember. Um, yeah, he's so, saying that he doesn't want to buy out or he's not going to ask for a buyout. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it basically they have limits to who they can even get in a buyout and, it looks like that Robin Lopez sh- trade, which essentially was Robin Lopez for nothing um, and cash for nothing. So that basically, I, it looks like that that got them under the second apron and there's, I'm not entirely sure. Cause there's still like incentives and stuff that could push them over at the end of the year. But it, I, it sounds like that got them under the second apron, which is important because staying under the second apron allows them on draft night, to combine players, or basically any time between when the season ends and July 1st when free agency starts, to combine players in a trade and aggregate their salaries in a trade to go get a, a bigger player. You know, so if you wanted to go get, I'm throwing a name out there, um, Andrew Wiggins. You know, if he's even under contract again next year, I think he is. But he is, yep. he's he's 24 million dollars. The only way you could do that is by combining the salaries, unless you're going to trade one of your main guys, which I don't think they would would be by combining the salaries of Bobby and Pat and Marjan or whatever. If they go over the second apron right now, they would not be able to do that in, you know, on draft night when they're going to have their two first to trade, because that's the important part is I think part of the reason they're waiting and not trading Bobby and Pat right away is because they're going to have more ammo to do that later. Right now they only had two second round picks to attach to it. And once they made the campaign, the campaign trade, they only had one. So, Really, it's like, okay, you can offer teams Bobby, Pat, Marjan, but you can only attach one pick to them. So I don't know, unless the team really needs a guy like that, they're not really going to take it. Whereas come draft night, you're going to have the 2024 first round pick to trade that you have. You're going to have your 2031 first round pick to trade that you have. And you're going to have your early 2024 second to trade that you have. So you have all of a sudden three really good picks that you can trade plus those guys. And so I think it's important to them that they want to be able to trade multiple of those guys in a deal in in a bigger deal to get a, a another, you know, $20 million a year player type of guy. So I mean, I don't know who that would be right now, but come, you know, June, July, we might have a better idea of that. So I think that this was I mean, that if that's the case, and if this is something that keeps them under the second apron, it's a very smart move by John Horse to um, you know, be on top of that and get them under the second apron so that they are much more flexible in what they are allowed to do come June and when they have these these picks and more ammo to attach to some of these guys so again i'm not i I, that's my understanding of it um and maybe maybe they forego that and just get a buyout guy and don't care about that as much and just say we're going to wait until july to really make any trades and at that point the new year resets everything's fine but um that's a that's it's an interesting aspect of this and so i don't if they don't get a buyout guy it would be because of that reason it would be because they're trying to stay under the second apron they don't want to pay another player that would push them over. Cause I think right now they're like 1 million away from being over. So they don't have much room. And so a new player would probably push them over. And if they don't, if they don't get someone new, that would, the reason would be they're trying to stay under the second apron.
2: I don't think that's going to sit very well with Bucks fans. I think that's going to be a hard sell. If, if that indeed is the case where if they sign a player to a minimum contract for the rest of the year, and the reason they're not going to do it is because they don't want to be over the apron for you know a possible trade on draft night or whatever else. And you're essentially possibly sacrificing a, a better chance at a championship because they still have not solved the wing defender issue. That still is an issue. That still has not changed. You, you still have a gaping hole there. And that is something that has to be addressed. And if this is going to be, well, we don't want to get to the second apron, and that's the reason. And, oh, man, I would hate to look back if you get knocked out in the playoffs and having that be the topic of conversation of why you got knocked out, Nathan.
3: Yes, but do you think – I mean, the question then is, do you think that that player exists on the buyout market that they can get?
2: I don't know. I mean, we'll see what else happens here and who gets cut.
3: Yeah, but to me, I mean, to me, I can understand if there's really nobody that you're like, that guy really changes things for us on the buyout market. Okay, well, then I'd rather just say, you know what, we're not going to go sign someone and have no flexibility come June and we can make a possibly a really, really big trade. I mean, or not even, I don't want to say really, really big, but just a bigger trade. Um, You don't want to lose the opportunity to make a big trade just because you want to get some 12th man for your, for your bench that doesn't even end up playing. And it's like, is that worth it? Now, if there was a guy that you're like, that dude really, really would help us. Like he, I don't know if that player exists. So that's why I'm like, I, I, I don't mind if this is what they do and they, forego signing one more player for the you know end of the bench buyout guy to to have that flexibility later um i would mind it more if there was that player available and they passed on that you know because then you're saying okay you're really you know not you're you're losing out on a chance to really make your title odds better if you're just signing any any random player daniel house to be on your you know bench i i don't know if that's anything that changes their title odds you know so at that point i'd rather just keep keep the or stay under the second apron
2: all right so let's talk about this for a second so when you get into the playoffs normally you're talking about an eight-man rotation maybe nine but probably more like three legit bench guys get uh, get the minutes so that right now is portis crowder and beverly that's eight that does not include poniton that does not include Marjan or Ajax, or A.J. Green, or anybody else. So if you're going to get a buyout guy on the market going off what you just said, and I agree with you, that guy, in my opinion, has to be a guy that's going to be in the playoff rotation. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that he has to replace Portis or Crowder or Beverly, but he has to have some minutes to him in order to justify doing this. I mean, he's got to get some minutes here, whether however you get them for him, 12, 15 minutes. A, a game in the, each playoff game here in order to justify doing that and essentially getting to the second apron. I think that's would be how I would justify it.
3: Yes, absolutely. You know, cause, and, and that's why right now it's not a case of just like, okay, go, go sign any buyout guy you can to fill out your roster. That'll help. Like, no, they're actually with, with assuming that this second apron thing, assuming that, that we all have this correct and they are under right now. And this would push them over, which I, I think is true, but I, I assuming that that's true that does all of a sudden make it no. you if you're going to get a buyout guy you have to make sure that they are a playoff type of guy that there's someone who can who can be a in your playoff rotation to make that worth it um so i i agree 100 percent. and yeah i mean like you said it's not like you don't need a ton of depth in the playoffs but you do need a couple guys and that's why that's why i like this campaign trade you know even more is because i i firmly believed i'm like okay they they have their their top five you've got you know, I think Jay Crowder is definitely in the playoff rotation at least. So that's six guys that you have definitely in your playoff rotation. Bobby will be in there kind of half and half. So that's like six and a half guys. And you're kind of like, they definitely just need at least one more guy. Like campaign wasn't a guy. um, AJ green could be a guy. Ajax could be a guy for parts of the, of the playoffs by Pat Connaughton. You're not sure, but like you had like six, six and a half guys that you're sure are like, okay, this, these guys will play in the playoffs. And now that you get pat bev he's he can play in the playoffs you know he can survive defensively he's going to be fine so that to have that extra that that new guy that's like okay now you're at 7 to maybe 8 guys in the playoffs all of a sudden you're much closer you know getting that guy is big and so um they're still going to need some guys to step up you know i love that jay crowder looked good today to kind of prove that okay he can he can be that that guy that we want him to be a three point shooter decent defender um, and if AJ green can hit shots, like he's hitting and play defense, like he's playing defense, he's been really good on defense lately. He can, he can definitely be a playoff guy. You know, I, I've been saying all year, like I'd, I'd want to just throw him in there when you're, you know, you need some three point shooting and, and don't be afraid to give him minutes. But now I'm starting to see like, I mean, maybe just give him that role of like seventh, eighth guy. Like oh, I said, say who's he gonna play over?
2: Say, it say, it, say, it. who's he gonna play over? Who, who is it? Nathan, who's he gonna play over? Playoff pack? Playoff pack gonna be on the on the bench? The
3: I, look, dude, I don't I don't huh? know why not right now. I don't know why not. I don't saying. know why not. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I, yes. I like. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, like truthfully, I mean, I I know Bobby has size, but I'd play him over Bobby too, just with how he's playing. Like just overall. Now they're different positions, so it's much different. But as far as just taking a guy's spot, like he should have had spot right now. He should. There, when you watch the two of them play, I mean one is just a better version of the other and it's like um and it's aj green is just a better version of pat Connaughton right now he plays better defense he shoots the ball better like he just plays his role better and it's like if that's going to continue and if he can show this consistently which he has started to do it consistently you can't be afraid of playing that guy in the playoffs now if if he is all of a sudden if you get to a playoff series and he's really struggling. Okay, you can pull him. Like nobody's going to get mad at sure. you for pulling a guy who's struggling. Yep. But give him the chance. If he's playing well throughout the regular season and this Find continues, him. give him the chance. Don't all of it, don't just say we're rolling with Pat Connaughton because he's got veteran experience. And you watch Pat Connaughton do nothing out there, and you let Adrian, No, like, no like, don't let him sit on the bench. If if you need to put him in there, put him in there. So um, as of right now, he should be playing over Pat Connaughton. Like he should, uh, you know, and it should be like that until he kind of loses a spot because he has earned the spot so far. Like he, if you're just talking about who has looked better, it's AJ green. So I feel like that spot should be his until proven otherwise at this point.
2: All right, take a quick time. I'll come back. I want to talk about some of the other trades in the Easter conference and I plus we'll still get to bucks, T wolves uh, that ended right before we started the podcast and I green and growing podcast, download on your odyssey app. Or if you download your favorite podcast at check us out uh, streaming live or after We're done with the video. You can go back and watch it whenever on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. We'll look at the Easter Conference and who really got better. uh, And how did Indiana do? What about the Knicks? We'll talk about those guys coming up next here on Green and Growing.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: Thanks to Republic Records, this is a national contest. Hey, it's C
2: Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM The Fan. Check out the website, 1250amthefan.com, or on your Odyssey app for all the interviews I do throughout the course of the week. Just had uh, Tim Dillard, former Brewers pitcher, Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst, interviewed him. That's up on the website if you want to check that out. Jim Paul Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal interviewed him this week. You want to check that out as well. Tomorrow, a couple of interviews I'm doing during the day. Tomorrow, that'll be up. Probably tomorrow night or Saturday, KJ Wright, uh, the former uh, Seattle Seahawk, uh, interviewing him. He's down on Radio Row down there doing stuff. So we'll talk with him. Uh, looking forward to that. And Eric Name of the Athletic, Bucks beat writer, going to interview him tomorrow morning. We'll have that up on the site uh, tomorrow afternoon on the Odyssey app. You can catch it out uh, there too. Nathan Marzian, my co host, as always. All right, Nathan Marzion, let's talk about the Pacers uh, and kind of what they did uh, so far. So out goes Buddy Heald. Two second round picks. It comes Doug McDermott, Corey Joseph, uh, Furkad Cormaz, if I said his name right on the three second round picks as well. Do you like what the Pacers did at the deadline?
3: It was weird because it's like you essentially just went from Buddy Heald to Doug McDermott and got a couple seconds. But like, I just, it was kind of like, why would you even like, why I don't know why they would want to do that. They seem like they're playing well. Um, yep. I know Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald hasn't been great this season. Like he hasn't. He was averaging a couple of years ago, like 18 a game on, you know, 42% from three. He's now like 12 a game, 37%, 38% from three. So he hasn't been as amazing as he was a couple of years ago, but still, it just was like, I just don't get bringing in a different shooter. You know, they do the same type of thing, Buddy Higgled and Doug McDermott. They, they're spot up shooters who don't play a ton of defense. So it's just like, I don't really understand just like swapping out a, a player that, you know, was fitting in well and seemed, you know, you seem to be working for a guy that's a little bit worse and getting a couple second round picks. Like I just, that was weird to me. Um, You know, I I don't think they got much better or worse. It just was very odd. What about
2: the New York Knicks? Uh, And I think uh, again, I didn't see them doing this deal with the Pistons uh, necessarily uh, here at the end of the day, but getting Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic uh, for essentially Grimes and a bunch of other crap uh, that goes along with it. I thought that was a great deal for the New York Knicks. And I think the Pistons would take a roll of the dice on Grimes and see if he could turn out to be something that everybody thinks uh, at, some way, at some point. But they're not going anywhere anyhow. They cleared out some salary in the process. Uh, I, I think it made sense for both teams. But the Knicks really kind of showing right now that, that they're in this to win this thing right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was pretty good for both sides. Pistons may may have been able to get a little bit more, but I do really like Grimes. Um the Knicks, like, yes, I, I mean, it's a good trade for them. They seem like they're like they're they they got better, they're legit, they're gonna make a run for this thing. But I do wonder do they have too many guys at this point? Like, it feels like they just have 10 good players that you're like, I mean, how do you even? I, I just don't know how you fit that all together. I don't know how you make that all work. Um, and it's I'm not saying that's like not a good problem to have of having too many good players, but it's just. It's like, I don't know, I I, sometimes I feel like they have two, like it's all depth, and yes, they have a really good top eight, nine, ten, but when you look at their top three, you're like, can that top three win a title? All All right, so right now,
2: their depth chart, it's Brunson and DiVincenzo in the backcourt, then it's Ananobi, Randall, and Hardenstein, Uh, and you have Robinson if he he comes back. Then backups are McBride, Burks, Hart, Bogdanovich, uh, and Sims. So, again, like you were talking depth-wise, if you look at that, they're probably eight deep, maybe nine, but I would say probably more or less eight deep. And they were definitely not eight deep prior to all these trades between the uh, uh, Ananobi trade and then coming back and, and getting this deal done here. I think the Knicks did a really good job at the deadline. I really do.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, it's I'm not trying to say it's bad. I just I have skepticism about having that many players that are playable, that are good players, where it's like, Like, again, how do you make that all work? You're gonna have to juggle some lineup stuff, you're gonna have to juggle some who has the ball type of stuff. And don't like the only other part of it for me was like they were playing really good ball, like they were really rolling. And all of a sudden, you're throwing Bogdanovich and Burks into that mix. Now, again, that could make it even better, it could, but it also could just add a dynamic where it's like, again, you're taking the ball out of some of the guys' hands that were getting comfortable. They had, you know, obviously Brunson's had a great year, DiVincenzo had been playing really well. And it's just like, okay, all of a sudden you're kind of taking the ball out of their hands, putting it in the hands of these new guys. Could that mess some things up a little bit? It might all of a sudden take them back a step and they have to kind of, get, you know, get used to this and everything. It I'm not, again, I'm not saying it wasn't good. I just, there's skepticism on my end of like how much, how great this is for them and how, like, I just see a lot of people automatically saying, oh my God, they're, they're amazing. They're going to um, totally be a contender. Like I think they're good. I think they can give any team a run for their money. I'd say they have arguably the highest floor of any team in the, in the league, but I still don't know if their ceiling has been raised a ton. And I just, again, I kind of question how this will all piece together now that they have to adjust to playing with some new guys.
2: What do you think about Philadelphia uh, and and getting buddy healed at this point? I'd like, I like it for Philadelphia. I really do. I, I I think they needed some more scoring to guard against Maxi if, if he goes cold or something in the playoffs to give you another score. I, I like what that does for Philly.
3: Yeah. I mean, they basically traded a bunch of expiring guys and young, like a couple, like just meaningless guys for a better expiring guy. So they keep their cast base for the summer because they're going to have a ton of cast space to, to possibly sign someone um, after, you know, all these guys contract runs out, basically everyone except for Embiid and Maxi. So They keep their cap space, but they get a little bit better this year. Only give up a couple second round picks like it was that was definitely a good trade for them because it was like basically. Yeah, I mean, you just give up two seconds to get better this season and keep all of your cap space. So they they did a good job with that.
2: What about the Boston Celtics? I I don't think they did anything major necessarily. If you look at the Celtics, I, I don't think it's anything earth shattering what they did. Cleveland didn't really do anything either at the deadline where you have to be concerned about them. Toronto has been moving pieces around left and right. Um, I'm trying to figure out what exactly they're doing there. It feels like they're trying to be a playoff team, um, even though they don't have Siakam. That's what it feels like to me. Um, what does it feel like to you with Toronto?
3: I am confused at what they're doing. It and My confusion started last year at the trade deadline when they didn't get rid of Van Vliet, didn't get rid of Ananobi, didn't get rid of anyone. And, they like signed, I think it was Jakob Purtle, and or, or traded for Jakob Purtle, And it was like, why are they bought? like why are they getting another guy? They're not contending. They're not gonna, you know, they miss the playoffs and um, and then they end up losing Fred Van Vliet for nothing. Like it just doesn't seem like they have a set direction. And now all of a sudden, like you, they it looks like okay, they're finally selling. They got rid of um OG Ananobi, you know, to get quickly Barrett pick everything. Like, okay, I, I start to like their direction, and all of a sudden, like they give up a first round pick. Oshai Abaji's is not bad. Like he's a solid young player, but like, I don't get why you'd want Kelly Olenek. Um, He's got like three years left on his deal. It's not like he's an expiring contract or anything. I don't know. They're, they're just a weird, they, they seem like they're destined to kind of be in the middle of the pack for a long time here or for at least a few years here, which to me is not where you want to be. Like you either want to really have a direction of, okay, we're building towards the future or really be starting to go all in. And it just feels like they're in the middle. And another move today where I just was like, I, I don't really get that. Like, why are you like, they shouldn't be giving up a first round pick right now to get some math players. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me.
2: I will tell you the move that warmed my heart. Seeing Grant Williams go to the Hornets, I was very, very excited about that. I was so happy. I, I don't really care about Dallas and kid and getting PJ Washington, whatever. But Grant Williams getting sent to Charlotte to play for that that crappy franchise for the rest of the year just it just made me feel really good about life in general, Nathan. And maybe that's maybe that's bad of me to say that, but I I'm telling you, when I saw he got sent to Charlotte, I smiled and said, "Oh, that sucks. Too bad for you, buddy. That's that's on you. Too bad."
3: I do in that deal. I do really like the um, uh, what's his name. PJ Washington aspect of that. Cause he's a guy that I've always wanted on the bucks. I just really like him as a power forward, Plays some defense. He's still pretty young. He can, he's pretty versatile on offense. So um that's a pretty underrated pickup. I think, I don't think a lot of people because he's played in Charlotte, because he hasn't been very much, you know, in the spotlight, don't really know how good PJ Washington is. So um I'm excited to see what he can do there. And if he can, you know, help them really start to go from like, semi-competing to actually competing in the west
2: it's funny i heard uh the bulls general manager press conference talking about how they didn't do anything again uh and uh one of the reporters brought up that you know fans are pissed off at him like you're not doing nothing you're not getting us better we're kind of just treading water whatever and he said well that's from the fans perspective this is a reporter he said but from management perspective was it were you just brought in here to kind of essentially get this team competitive again and competing night in and night out?" Um, and then from that aspect, you know, do you think you've done your job? He said, yep, that's pretty much right. I think I have done my job. That's what they brought me in here to do because we've had some injuries and so forth. But for the most part, I think we're pretty competitive. Most nights, obviously do we want to be more competitive with some of these better teams. Sure. And then he points at the standings and the sixth seed and pretty much says that, Hey, we still got a chance to be the sixth seed here, uh, from the bulls perspective as a bulls fan. I, I would absolutely be mortified. Hearing him say that it, it would be like Herb Cole saying, Yeah, we're competing for the eighth spot, that's all we're trying to do. Just get
3: in. I was just gonna say, it's like 20, 12 bucks, you know.
2: Yeah, that is just that's that's just absolutely uh horrible. I feel sorry for both fans, but again, I think that team is much different. If Lonzo Ball never hurts his back, if Lonzo Ball is healthy and they have Ball, Levine, and DeRozan this entire time. With his ability to play point, his ability to score the basketball, that Bulls team is probably much better. All right, take a quick time. I'll come back. We'll talk about the Bucks getting trounced by the T Wolves mainly in the second half. Uh, earlier tonight before we came on to do the podcast. That's next here on Green and Growing. Download on your Odyssey app or you download your favorite podcast at Back at Green and Growing, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer along with Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Follow Nathan at Nathan Marzian. Bucks lose one twenty nine to one hundred five to the. T-Wolves in Milwaukee. That West Coast trip is finally done, thank God. But the result's no different. Still a loss. But no Dame Lillard. No Chris Middleton tonight. Brooke Lopez returned. Uh, But the story of tonight wasn't the fact that they lost. Because I think we all expected them to lose going into this game. Uh, The two stories tonight was Jake Crowder looking like Jay Crowder again. Thank God. So that was pleasant to see. And then we talked about it earlier. A.J. Green just feeling himself. He was at 24 last time I checked. What did A.J. Green? 27 he ended up with. I mean, that is a hell of a night for A.J. Green. Now, again, a majority of that came in the fourth quarter. I get it. But e- either way, both those guys playing that well, makes you smile a little bit. Go, oh, maybe, maybe they get hot a little bit in the playoffs. And, and that would be a really a big shot in the arm with either of these two guys could get going in the playoffs off the bench. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, that was my, you know, exact takeaway from this. You know, it was a game where, um, I mean, again, going into it, it was going to be tough. You have, Chris and Dame out, which are your two main perimeter ball handlers and you're going against the best defense in the league. That's a recipe for probably having a a rough go of it and probably struggling a little bit to, to score the ball, to keep up and just to, to play well in this game. So I was not surprised that they were losing. I was not surprised that, you know, Minnesota really kind of held a a steady lead throughout, but it was one of those nights where you're like, okay, let's try to look for some positives, you know? Um, And AJ Green and Jay Crowder looked really, really good. I don't, you know, they're not always going to look this good, but the fact that they can look this good, the fact that um they're, they're shooting the ball well, it's like okay, you know, you you see again if if those two can play well, plus you add Pat Bev in this thing and you can get anything you possibly can out of, you know, Bobby and Pat if they can give you anything. It's like okay, all of a sudden you've got a a decent 8 to 9 there that you can work with. 7 8, you know, whatever. Um and so it was just good to see those guys step up a little bit um, you know, in a game where you, again, and especially with, let alone with the injuries, but once you saw that the Timberwolves were making everything from three and Malik Beasley was ice cold from three, he was like one of 12 or something, not from three, but just overall. You knew, okay, this, again, it's just, it's going to be almost impossible to 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 win this game. Cause it's like, you have, you know, you're missing two of your best shooters in Damon, and Chris, and your next best shooter is ice cold. You're not going to keep up. You're just not against the best defense in the league. So um, it, it was just one of those, we were trying to look for silver linings. We're trying to see anything that anything positive you can take away. That is, you know, more meaningful in the long run. Cause again, the reality is as much as we want to win every game, like winning this random game in February, like that's not as meaningful as, okay, Hey, look, AJ green and Jay Crowder played well. They got minutes. They looked good. Like that could be, that'd be much more meaningful later on. If that continues than than just winning this February random game. So I try to keep that in perspective. I know a lot of people don't because every time I go on Twitter and they're losing, everyone's sad and acting like, oh, my God, this team is, is doomed. Like, again, I don't know what people expected in this game when, you're again, you're going against such a tough defense and you don't have your two main ball handlers out there. So this was a, a game where I'm just happy that a couple guys stepped up and they're going to need to. If If Bobby and Pat aren't playing well, like they just continue to not look that good, you're going to need guys to step up because if you don't get guys to step up, they're just not going to be enough guys that are playing well to, to make a huge run. Um, So, yeah.
2: And, and doc wasn't playing for until it was completely over, which warmed my heart as well. Uh, the other thing is this, look, if you were going to beat Minnesota uh, tonight or earlier tonight, they had a, you had to catch a break and Minnesota had to be off shooting the ball. They shot 57% from the field. They shot 54% from three. So not only were you down two of your best offensive players, they caught fire shooting the ball on top of it. Against you, uh, which really put you in a hole that was very hard to overcome. And then on top of that, you have the twin towers down underneath uh, and having Giannis having to battle that all night long uh, and Brooke too. And I'm going to harp on something because I've only harped on it all year and I'm going to harp on it again. We talk about plan B's Marzion tonight would have been nice. And now it's Doc, it's not Griffin, it's not Bud, now it's Doc. They ran it, I think it was an inbounds play, they got the ball to Brooke in the block, and he scored. And I yeah. was like, oh, oh, okay, here we go, let's go. And that, that possession comes down, and he's out at the three-point line. I'm like, holy crap. But see, again, these are the type of games, when you're down out with these two guys, and again, Doc just got here, so whatever. But I'm just saying, if, if this were to be a playoff game, Dude, you just got to put him down there and let him work. Like Marcus Johnson said, happy birthday, Marcus Johnson, by the way. Like Marcus Johnson said, he was one of the best back-to-the-basket big guys in the league prior to Booneholzer getting him over here and making him a three-point shooter. Go back, work him when you're down a player or two offensive players and let him get 15, 20 shots by the rim and see what he can do. I just I don't see the problem with it. And tonight would have been a perfect time to explore that to see what would happen.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was something that for for a couple of years now, they've it's been, you know, let's try to do that a little bit more. Come playoff time. I know it was something that during the playoff run when they won it in 2021. I think Charles Barkley was on TNT kind of saying they need to go to that more. You know, not not do it every possession or anything. Don't it's not a staple of your offense, but like post him up more, you know, don't just run this five out offense and just run, you know, jack threes the whole time because that's not a way of consistently winning. Like that just adds a lot of variance to your game is just chucking threes, but to, to, to use your big guys in post-up situations, get them around the rim. Like that's a much more high percentage shot. And like you said, Brooke Lopez is good at it. He he had a stretch where he was one of the best in the league at it. So I completely agree. And, you know, again, I, I mean, yeah, this, this was a tough matchup overall. And pretty quickly in this game, I was like, Ooh, I'm not sure. Like, unless they get hot from three, I just, I don't love their offense tonight. Cause yeah, like you said, they're going against those um, twin towers down low and you've got, so that's gonna, you know, hurt Giannis a little bit, hurt Brooke's ability to do that consistently a little bit. Like um, personnel-wise, this was not the best matchup to to use him down low because you just had two big men that were um that are that are pretty good defenders. But um still, it's something that going forward I want to see them use in the right matchups. I thought last year against the Heat in the playoffs, it was something too that in that series, it was like just go down low. Like they don't have the size to stay with Giannis and Brooke, and they started doing it more. And it like, it would work so much. And then late in games, they started to stop going to it. And that's when their offense would kind of fall apart. And it was like, just keep going to it. And so, yeah, it's always been something that I think unlocks their, their offense a little bit and really gives them another level. Cause you know, teams focus so much on stopping Giannis. Teams are going to focus so much on the perimeter, stopping all those shooters. And it's like to have another big that you can put down low. Um, and and like, that's just another nice weapon to have. So.
2: Yeah, uh, and Robin Lopez reading a book tonight with another nice little added sideshow Another yeah. everybody really got a kick out. If he knows how to entertain, I'll give him that. Uh, he is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Check out all the interviews I do during the week at 1250amthefan.com or simply on your Odyssey app. Uh, that too. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Really appreciate it, and we will talk to you guys again coming up next week. Have a good one, y'all. Toodles!